The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, Lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. Symbols of uh, power, prestige, and authority are around us all the time, uh, so much so that we become sort of oblivious to them. It depends, of course, on your context, what those symbols might be. I immediately go back to when I was in the Air Force and think about some of the symbols of power that were present there. Uh, Often I was in uh, an office setting. Well, the corner office, you knew that that wasn't yours because there was somebody there with more power. If you had a larger cubicle, that meant something to those who had smaller cubicles. So there was always something to uh, reflect this power and authority. And over time, we just become oblivious to it until something strikes us And we see it for what it is. Well, for me, as I was thinking about this sermon, uh, an experience came to mind that really brought home uh, this whole idea of symbolism as a way of showing power and authority. Uh, We were living in Turkey. I was assigned to NATO. And one of the things that we did was visit one of the largest materiel depots in Turkey. It was an army depot. So we got there. Uh, An aide showed us into the commander's office, and the first thing I noticed was that the commander's desk was on a platform that was six inches above the floor. (laughs) And then I saw behind his chair was this strange, uh, it was a frame, and the frame was filled with red felt. Now, I saw this same setting in other commander's offices, Air Force and Army. In the Air Force, it would have been blue felt. Well, the commander came. He was uh, escorted in by the aide. He barked a couple of commands to the aide, another sign of power and authority. (laughs) 
And then he took his place at his desk after having greeted us. And then I saw why the frame was there. He was framed in it perfectly. It was like a living portrait of this man. Well, it struck me that this was just over-the-top uh, symbolism of who is in charge. But there are so many other subtle ways in which we encounter that in our own lives and don't even think about it. Well, today's gospel, I think, talks to us about power, about authority and the use of power, and about servant leadership. But before we take that on, I, I want to uh, set something up as a backdrop for all of this. Uh, we don't talk about repentance and conversion much in the Episcopal Church, but I think it's important for us who are Anglicans to remember that uh, our spirituality is grounded in Benedictine spirituality. And part of that is a commitment to daily conversion of life. Now, I think we often think of that in terms of those niggling sins that we have trouble with day in and day out, and so that a daily reflection and confession is important, and that's that, that daily uh, conversion of life. But what Jesus is calling us to in this passage has nothing to do with those little sins. This is about systems. This is about life as it's lived within systems, some of them grinding away at humankind. And what Jesus is inviting the, the disciples to see is that there is another way, and that other way is by emulating the life of Christ. Everybody wants to be somebody. <laughs> I think that's just human nature. And it goes back to the beginning of time. In fact, if we uh, think about the temptation from the serpent in Genesis, the, the temptation is when you eat the fruit of the tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. How much better could it get than that? Henry Nouwen says that ever since then, we have been tempted to replace love with power. He writes, the long, painful history of the church is the history of people ever and again tempted to choose power over love, control over the cross, being a leader over being led. I think we see this again and again in Scripture. We see it in our daily lives. And unfortunately, we see it as well in the church. What James and John want, and what we often want, is power. In itself, power is not sinful. In fact, if you think about the reality that we are created in the image of God, a part of what we have been invested with is power and the proper use of power. And I believe what we have been called to from the beginning of creation is to be stewards of power and to use what power and authority we have for the good of all of creation. But unfortunately, it has not worked out that way. We have not been good stewards. We have abused our authority and we have abused our power and have despoiled the land and we despoil one another as well. We abuse the power that God has entrusted to us. There's one detail that I want to be sure none of us miss. And that is to notice that Jesus listens to the disciples when they come to him to ask this ridiculous question. 
first of all, they start out by saying, we want you to give us whatever we ask for. And then, now think of this. Three times in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has told them who he is and what his mission is. He's been as clear as could be. He must suffer and die and be resurrected. He is not a temporal king or a temporal messiah. But they don't get it. They continue to ask for power from Jesus. And now these two disciples are saying, we want to be at your right hand and in your left. Another thing that you might think about as you hear them asking for that is that in the end, there are people at his right and at his left. And they are the thieves. Anyway, that's just something to, to put in the back of your mind. We don't want to ask for something that cannot be given to us by the one we're asking. And Jesus makes it clear that he does not have the authority to tell them that they should be at his right or at his left. I think it's interesting when we listen to uh, that reading from Hebrews, where it says clearly that Jesus did not come uh, to be a high priest. Rather, what Jesus came, the scripture says he emptied himself to become one with us. He was an itinerant rabbi, not a high priest. And I think this goes back to that first thing I said about conversion of life and the systems of this world. Jesus seems to have come in order to point out the falsehood of the systems in which the people found themselves. And one of those systems was the religious system. And I think it's a message for us today as well. One of the reasons that I think that uh, Pope Francis is so dearly loved by so many people of so many different uh, religious uh, denominations and faiths is because they see in that man someone who really believes in servant leadership. I think one of the most uh, interesting images that came out of his visit to the United States is seeing that little fiat between these big suburbans that are loaded down with with secret service as they're going from one place to another and that little car coming right behind them. <laughs> this Pope gets it. He understands what it is to serve the people rather than to be served. And he wants that from his clergy as well. He says that he looks at their shoes when he was a, when he was a, a bishop in Argentina. If their shoes were, were shining, he knew they weren't out in the neighborhoods doing their work. <laughs> He said he doesn't want airport bishops, bishops that fly around the world all the time. He wants people who care for the people. Well, I think that that's what Jesus was pointing to in this particular gospel. I think it was a, it's a reminder to us uh, about the service we're called to. We are not called to be served, but rather we are called to serve. Jesus' response to James and John, I think, challenges the values of our world, where power is used for personal gain. And his response could not be more direct or more clear. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is a message not just for individuals. It's a message for the church. It's a message for the Episcopal Church. As long as we're in this world, we are going to struggle with these conflicting values. Luther put it this way. 
This life, therefore, is not righteousness, but growth in righteousness and health, not health, but healing, not being, but becoming. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. May we who hear God's call to serve quickly respond. May we who hear that there is great need in the world to which we might provide some help, some bit of help, may we be quick to respond. May we see the power that we are given is power that is to be a steward, we're to be stewards of, power that we are to use for the good of the kingdom of God. May we see this world for what it is. It holds no salvation for us. Only one does, and that is Jesus the Christ. Amen.